Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. Happy Thirsty Thursday, my people. Glad you guys are hanging out. It is Gabe Ramirez. Bears All Access. Wrapping up right there, Jeff Joniak, Jim Miller, Tom Thayer. Love hearing. I, I love coming on after them because I'm supposed to be like prepping and getting my crap together. But nine times out of ten, I'm just literally listening to them, trying to hear like what they're talking about and what direction they think the Bears are going to go. And just three th- three juggernauts right there when it comes to, to the Bears. So, uh, yeah, but now you get me. All right, all the way till nine o'clock, hanging out. And we're going to have some, we're going to have a good time today. We got some really good audio. From Pedro Grafo, we got uh, some NBA we're going to be discussing. So let's go ahead and uh, kick the show off the way we always do. I call it the trifecta. These are the top three stories that have been living in my head all day in no particular order. Morrell going to third. He will slide. He's got a triple. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. It's over. The Bulls win at the buzzer. That's the magic number. Number three. Number three. I think I made some predictions yesterday during the trifecta, and I left out the Cubs. And I got a bunch of text messages on my social media accounts. And they were just like, yo, it's messed up, dude. I know you're a Sox fan. And I'm like, I, I've mentioned it 20 times already that I, I low-key enjoy this Cubs team. I'm not, I'm not a Cubs fan, but I but I enjoy the team, the players, the, the makeup of them. So, so I, I said to myself, I'm going to put the Cubs in the trifecta. And first, we're going to start off with hitting coach Dustin Kelly. And when I've been talking about the Cubs, one thing that somebody said they were excited about this upcoming season was Seiya Suzuki because he's jacked. And then I thought to myself, well, I haven't seen the pictures. I'm not necessarily sure sure what he's talking about. Then I saw the pictures, and then I heard what Dustin Kelly had to say about Seiya. The strength and the size is noticeable. Um, the swing hasn't changed much, which is a good thing, right? He's, he has one of the most mechanically sound swings in this game. Um, and with the added strength and bulk, it didn't compromise that at all. So we're excited about it. And I'm sure he wanted to settle in on a body that could withstand the entire Major League Baseball season. And sometimes you need to do that. But sometimes, remember, it doesn't work out. Ask Lucas Giolito how his extra weight Ended up helping him last year for yeah, the Chicago White Sox. It's all gone now. So, you know, you're going to see a bigger Seiya, but, you know, who knows, by the end of the season, he might sweat it all off playing in the friendly confines. Another clip I wanted to play for you guys. Coach David Ross, another reason why I enjoy the Cubs team is because initially, i got to be very honest, I thought it was a joke when David Ross got hired to be the uh, the manager of the Chicago Cubs. 
I was just like, this is silly. This is this makes zero sense. But he's grown into his own. And when you hear about the the level of communication he has with the players, the how he was able to get the best out of them last year despite them being a trash team. I mean, it says a lot about him as the individual, but also as a really good manager. So, you know, there's a lot of pieces that he's working with, new guys that are there, and then some that were injured last year, like a Nick Madrigal, who obviously there's a there's a there's a log jam up the middle with Nico Horner moving over to second base. You obviously got Dansby Swanson there. So what does that mean for Madrigal? Well, it means probably a little bit of third base. He's moving really well. Feels like a totally different player than we saw last year where he, you know, looked like he was guarded at times and it was hard work to run and um you know, yeah, you, I don't know if you guys were over there, but like first ball that was hit was hit to him on the, in the infield. Um, you know, Green hit it pretty hard after hitting balls in the gap on that infield outfield and moved his feet, gobbled it up well, and threw a nice strong throw. Made a play in the in the back end. It was just infield, but um, he's moving well. The arm shrinks there. Continue to just keep an eye on that. Like it's a lot of throwing for him um, from from what he has done in the past and he's aware of that so um and then live bps yesterday he was uh line drives right left uh getting reads off the bat i don't know just just he's you can tell he's in a really good place mentally and physically david ross talking about nick madrigal right there and listen i mean nick madrigal the reason why he was pegged to play second base for the chicago white Sox initially wasn't because of his bat I mean, obviously, Nicky two strikes, the guy that can hit the ball, but it was because of his defense. So when you add someone else like that, that can be an on-base guy, it bodes well for the Chicago Cubs. So, again, man, I'm excited. I know you guys are as well. A first Cubs preseason game or, or a spring training game is going to be on Saturday. It's going to be right here on 670 to score. First pitch, 205. Make sure you guys check that out. It's all brought to you by Sloan Water Management. Make sure you guys listen to that. All right, number two inside the trifecta. Number two. Now, usually we don't talk about college basketball here, even though I do love college basketball. But I thought today was important. Northwestern taking on Illinois tonight, 8 o'clock at Assembly Hall in Champaign. Northwestern, it's a big game because it looks like Northwestern's heading to the tournament. They're, they have a really, really strong record. And obviously, Illinois trying to figure themselves out who they are. Um, should be a good game, but like you think this should be a big rivalry. It should be. They're both in the Big Ten. They're, they both are vying for the love and adoration of Chicagoans, and it isn't. Like, the only people that care about this is those that went to Northwestern and those that went to Illinois. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the people, it is a rivalry for those that are fans of those schools but, outside like but the outside. is it those is it those studs because look at academically there's no there's no competition whatsoever and then um from a, from a from a sports sport sports standpoint there's no there's like Illinois should be better than them in everything right oh they but should be they yeah. should be and then so I mean like when you're arguing like, like if they were to make a case for any sort of argument it'd be like the one-off instance and this could be it so that's why this game makes a lot of sense um Illinois uh, excuse me, uh, Northwestern has won eight out of their last ten, which I think is really cool. In Illinois, they are getting Terrence Shannon Jr., Chicagoan, and, and, and Chicagoan that's headed that headed to Illinois in Champaign. He's coming back tonight, so it should be an interesting game. Illinois needs this one to make a little bit of noise and to kind of position themselves. But if you're a Northwestern alum or an Illinois alum, I'd love to know how seriously you take this uh, this rivalry and if, in fact, it is one. Tonight, that is. Uh, you can text in. Feel free to. 312 312- 644-6767. Number one. Number one story inside the trifecta right here on 670. The score, 
is Aaron Rodgers is out of the darkness. Aaron Rodgers is 39. I want to, I want to be very clear that people are making a big stink about a guy that is 39 years old. Seems as though he's on the, the, the tail end of his career, just the way he's been playing. And he went to Sky Cave Retreats in Oregon. It was supposed to be a four-day stay, but he only made it. I wouldn't say only made it because it seems horrible. As someone that's been to jail several times, the last thing I want to do is be by myself in a 300-square-foot room that is below ground. Not my not not my idea of fun, but... Um, it is pitch black, apparently. Well, I have I have some stuff there because that that was the the idea that it was pitch black. I think it was it's more so that it can be pitch black, right? And so, like the owner of Sky K Retreats, his name is Scott Berman. He described the room as partially underground, hobbit-like structure with 300 square feet of space, devoid of light, with a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation-like mat on the floor. The room has lights and electricity, though, which can be turned on at any time from inside the room. Berman said he checks on the guests once a day. Smart. Last thing you want to do is book a room. I'll see you, see you in seven days, buddy. Or just, not. Or not. <laughs> you know hey, we'll see you in seven days. And yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe. I don't know. So smart that he checks on them every day. Because you know that statement is because bad things have happened. And so he's like, yeah, we used to just let them do their thing. But now, sheesh, you got to check. Because <laughs> the smell in the room could just, ah, that's mean. Um, so he said he checks on them uh, with the guests once a day. And there are no rules for m- remaining in the complete darkness. Now, Supposedly, Aaron Rodgers was supposed to come out with some sort of clarity as to what the, his future would look like because he essentially has three options, right? Stick with the Packers, who would be on the hook for roughly, if he stays on the team, it'll cost them roughly around $59 million. Think about that in context when you're thinking about how much money the Bears have to spend in, in the offseason with the amount of money that they have. If they cut him before June 1st, it'll cost them. Or it was saving forty million, and if it's afterwards, it's saving fifteen point eight. There's a lot of other things that are in between there that it'll cost them, and how it goes against the hit, the cap hit means absolutely nothing to me whatsoever. But that's one that he could stay with the Packers. Two, he could move on. Obviously, teams like the Jets and uh, the Titans are teams that would be interested in the Raiders as well because of Devontae Adams and the coaching uh, connections. And then obviously the, th- the third one, and it's the one that I would like the most for him to retire. Just get your ass out of the league, bro. Deuces to you. You have nothing else to prove. Even though, you know what? Damn, I'm a sidebar for a second. I did have a conversation with a friend of mine. This was a couple of days ago where I was saying the reason why Aaron Rodgers wants to play and, and, and what I think will be a move to another team is because he only got one ring. And so he, when, in the discussion of the greatest quarterbacks ever, that's going to be brought up. And so I think he, he really, in his heart of hearts, wants to put himself in a situation in a position to be successful enough to get to the Super Bowl. Still just as many NFC championships Rex as Rex Grossman. Grossman, baby. Hey, and the, and the fact that Bears fans can use that forever, if he retires right now, he doesn't want that. You own us, but you kind of suck because you have as many NFC championships as, or excuse me, uh, Super Bowl appearances as Rex Grossman. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is your trifecta for the day. That's a magic number. Right here on 670 The Score. I am Gabe Ramirez, broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios. Shout out to everybody that's downloaded the Odyssey app that's listening to us right now. And like, there's, I'm, I'm trying to picture you. You're in your kitchen. You got the phone on the counter while you're cooking or something like that. Shout out to you. Shout out to everybody listening on 104.3 HD2. That's where we come in a lot clearer. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, do that as well. All right. Uh, I wanted to stick in the football space before we go to break. And there were two things that were said by two NFL alums about our Chicago Bears. And 
one of them, let, let's go with Robert Griffin the third first. Uh, he's one of the guys that came out a couple days ago and was like, why do people keep talking about trading Justin Fields? This is foolish. This is asinine. This should not be a topic of conversation. So I, I rock with Robert Griffin the third. And he talked about specifically where he would add certain positions whether it be via free agency or the draft for the Chicago Bears. If they can't get a guy in free agency and or trade like with Higgins, there's some dogs in the draft right now. <laughs> You're talking about guys like Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison. I mean, the list goes on and on. Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. There's opportunities for the Bears to get wide receivers to put around Justin Fields, but they got to build that offense and defensive line. Mm. When you look at the two teams in the Super Bowl, they both were able to dominate on both sides of the ball when they wanted to in Kansas Kansas City and all year long for the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Bears have to get back to that gritty style of ball that they play and the weather that they play in and add to the offensive line so Justin Fields isn't running for his life and add to the defensive line so they can control the line of scrimmage. It's going to be interesting if they do something like that. The guys that he mentioned, you know, the Jackson Smith and Jigbas, the Quentin Johnstons, you know, the Zay Flowers, those guys are more than likely going to go in the first round. So it's going to be, it's very top heavy in the wide receiver group. For uh, for those that can be drafted in the upcoming draft, so it's going to be tough to see how he navigates Ryan Poles. That is how he navigates securing one of those top flight wide receivers that are in the draft. If he if his assumption is that he could wait till the second round, or you know if, if he doesn't get another second round pick, it's going to be tough. It's tough. But you know what? I love it. I love watching it. I love seeing how it's going to play out. And then he mentioned the offensive line and defensive line. And I was actually talking to Corey Wooten today, um, just randomly, just chatted up with my boy, former Chicago Bear. And he was telling me that he really wants the Bears to draft D-line, or excuse me, uh, sign D-linemen via free agency, and he wants an offensive lineman in the first round, moving back to like seven and getting like a, like somebody like that. And I was like, nah, Corey, everyone in Chicago would hate that. Even though, even though every Bears fan is like, you got to get somebody to block for Justin Field. The offensive line sucks. And if the Bears go out with, like, the seventh pick in the draft and get the best offensive lineman in the entire draft, sure, there will be a, a, a 20% contingent that, that loves it. But 80% of the people will be like, ah, we missed out on, on Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Um, all right, so the reason I said it's foolish, uh, I got to play it. Keyshawn Johnson said that uh, the Bears should trade the number one pick for this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. And we're back. Can't wait to play that clip from Keyshawn Johnson again. He, he thinks the Bears should trade the number one pick for a player. Not even for some more draft picks, but an actual player. We'll get to that before the end of the hour. Uh, but right now we get to talk a little bit of basketball, something that's been on my mind all day today as the NBA season resumes after the All-Star break. And the person I get to chop it up with, I'm very excited to talk to him. My first time, that is. Joining us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He is a senior writer at NBA.com uh, here in Chicago. Of course, I'm talking about Steve Ashburner. Steve, good evening. Thanks for hanging with me tonight. Uh, hello, Gabe. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. Now, Steve, uh, let's just jump to the Bulls first. I do have plenty of NBA questions because I, I truly do love sure. the NBA. Uh, but let's go to the Bulls first. And, uh, you know, you've had an opportunity. I, I want to go back to last season, right? Not even just this season, which some might feel is a disappointment. Did you feel last year when you were watching the Bulls, Steve, that that they were over they were overachieving, or did you feel like, yeah, this looks like about right with this squad where they should be in the Eastern Conference? That's a good question. You know, I I think that I was waiting for it to be, you know, to have a, a longer run. Um, I was surprised when they they started out playing so well and were you know at the top or near the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, that surprised me. I don't, I don't know that I trusted it, but I, you know, I wanted to see it, you know, continue and, and for them to, to land the top four seed, for instance, in the playoffs. Well, Lonzo ball getting hurt, uh, changed, I think just about everything for that team. And, and I think that's still the number one problem, you know, that, that has, uh, lapped over into this season. Uh, so, you know, I, it was interesting because I thought they were overachieving at a certain level because because you look at the parts and you think well they're not they're not as good as this are they <laughs> and then this year I look at those same parts you know minus Lonzo Ball for the most part and and say they're not this bad are they <laughs> so it, it's it's funny the way things seem to fit in a in a in a very nice uh, even surprising way last year and you know now it seems like. They're just parts. They're not really a whole. 
I think the way you're describing it is how is the reason why Bulls fans are going crazy here in the city of Chicago because it is just that. You saw a team with the same components overachieve to a certain degree, and then that that same group comes back, and then they're underachieving, and you're like, wait, what? This is such a that's such a you know a, a stark contrast from from where they were, but it's and it is frustrating. And I think you know one of the pieces is Arturis Karnisovis, right, where he himself put together this squad, and I thought he did a good job of of bringing the Bulls back to relevancy where they had missed the playoffs for so many years and they finally put a you know a decent team together that could get them there but but didn't do much this offseason to kind of plug the holes and he thought he just let continuity be the, the 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 factor that would get them over the hump do you think this year it is a failure on on management's part or do you think the team just kind of reached its peak and then that's just it yeah, it's probably enough um uh, blame to go around, frankly. I mean, I think it almost always starts on the court. Um, you know, it's really on these guys to make it work. And when it's year two rather than year one, when, you know, Vucevic and DeRozan and Zach Levine, particularly getting paid, Zach Levine, you know, I mean, they are supposed to drive this engine. And um, I think it's first and foremost on them. I, yeah, I, I don't I didn't necessarily blame the front office for going into this season with, uh, largely the same hand. I do believe in continuity and, and it seemed, you know, but if, you know, if they knew more than they were letting on about Lonzo ball and, and when he would be available to return, I mean, if they knew that was going to be an issue for the entire season, then yeah, I think they did underperform. I think they, I think uh, the front office needed to be more proactive, uh, or proactive at all um, in addressing that, um, uh, that void, um, you know, if, if they've been as caught up or, or caught by surprise by this as, as a lot of fans have been, you know, waiting, waiting, waiting for his return and then, oh, nope, shutting them down, you know, we'll see him next fall. I mean, that you got to think they have any inside information fans don't. So, um, yeah, I, I, th- that should have been handled differently. Um, as far as the trade deadline, I mean, there were people that wanted the Bulls to be sellers. Uh, rather than buyers, they wound up being nothing at the trade deadline. <laughs> right. um, I, I think being sellers be, it would be a tough sell for the Bulls with their fan base. I, I don't blame Chicago Bulls fans if they're impatient. I don't blame them one bit. I mean, this this has gone on for a while, and I think that's why uh, Arturis felt urgency to uh, get this team into the playoffs. And I just don't think you can hit a reset button you know, after one first round exit and say, ah, yeah, we're going to, we're going to try this again. Um, you know, the Hoiberg years, the boiling years. Mm. I mean, it, it just, it was, it went on too long uh, without traction. And um, no, I think this is a team. This is a market that, that deserves to uh, have a contender, um, you know, seven out of 10 years. Yeah, it felt good to see some playoff basketball last year. I got to be honest. We're talking to Steve Ashburner, senior writer at NBA.com, right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. You brought up Zach Levine, Steve, and I'm a huge Zach Levine fan. I I, I love his game. I love. I feel like Demar kind of kind of hinders it just a little bit, just enough to where it it gets in his head and it becomes a mental thing. And I often have the discussion with, with friends of mine and, and colleagues as to whether or not Zach Levine is a superstar do you agree with that statement or disagree 
I do agree. Well, I'm not sure which side of the uh, the argument you're on, but um, I'm on your I'm on I your side. I do I, I do think he's yeah. a superstar. You do okay. Yeah, almost certainly. I, I guess I have trouble imagining um, the Bulls as championship team or any team uh, as a champion uh, if Zach Levine is your best player, mm. and and I think he is the Bulls' best player. And you know, uh, Demar is a little bit um, past his prime and. Vucevic, because of the way the game is played these days, you know, it's hard to, I mean, unless he's uh, Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid, it's hard to have a center as your best player anyway. Um, and I just haven't seen the um, the alpha nature in Zach Levine to this point to um, – to say he can he can really be a superstar that that takes your team where it needs to go in in the victories. Um, you know, I mean, to me, that's that's sort of an admission by the front office uh, with this addition of Patrick Beverly that they don't have really an alpha dog in their locker room. Uh, you know, this talk of, that they need a spark. Well, wait a minute. I mean, they're they're they've got three All Star type players paying a lot of money and they need a spark, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's out of whack. That, that needed to be addressed long before, you know, the buyout market here. Yeah. And that was the frustrating part where you heard things like that, or even, even moments, Steve, where, you know, when the bulls are playing the bucks and Grayson Allen has a hard foul on Caruso and, and no one like steps up or there is no, 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 like you said, like this alpha presence that can step in those moments where you know a guy like Pat Bev would most certainly step to a Grayson Allen in a situation like that. But, you know, you are paying a lot of money to those three guys, and, you know, the assumption would be that one of them would be able to step up in, in, in that in that situation or those situations. Now, Yeah, I mean, now that said, I mean, I don't look for those kind of extracurriculars to, uh, to define – you know, a true leadership. I mean, you know, that's a lot of yapping that goes on in a situation like that. Um, I think it's more a mindset. It's in the locker room. It's on practice days, you know, practicing hard, getting other guys to uh, to show up for work, um, you know, wanting to be the best they can be. But, but, you know, but, but Steve, do you, think, do, you, do you think that Zach doesn't feel that way because he, he doesn't feel like he has true ownership of this team? I don't know why he wouldn't feel that way. I mean, you know, he, he sometimes you have to just sort of grab it. You can't mm. expect to to have it handed to you. I mean, the 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 contract often dictates thing like that. Um, you know, it's not as if he's got James Harden fighting him for control of the team. Demar Derozan, you know, is a is a pretty um, easygoing veteran. Uh, same with Vucevic. I mean, it seems to be there for the taking, but. Um, you know, maybe if Zach is too self-conscious, you know, and deferring to, to one or both of those guys, um, whether, you know, it was a matter of Lonzo Ball stepping into that role and then all of a sudden he's plucked out of the mix and, um, and, and nobody really knows how to quite fill that void. You know, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's no reason that uh, Zach Levine couldn't be that guy and, and shouldn't at least be trying to be that guy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Last question before we move on to the rest of the NBA. Do you think the Bulls are going to make the playoffs? Or play in, I should say? Uh, yeah, play in. That sounds more like it to me. And, and frankly, they should be glad and grab it and, and run with it as far as they can. Um, you know, yeah, it's a disappointment after finishing sixth um, in the East last year and, and having that best of seven series. But... Um, but playing beats beats the lottery 
We know the situation with their draft pick. It, it belongs to Orlando unless it's top four protect, protected. So then you just be, you know, playing lottery balls to, to try to figure out if, you know, if they tried to go south and, and do better in the draft. So, I mean, they really need to um, grab a sense of the postseason, though play-in isn't technically called postseason, um, and, uh, you know, and pull their way into a first-round matchup. Even, you know, you be playing a, a first or second seed, but um, it, it's better than going home early. Hey, they played well against Boston. You never know what, what could happen right there. Let's go over to the Western Conference, Steve. I cannot wait till the first day of playoffs because my eyes are going to be glued to the television watching what's happening in the West. First and foremost, who, who, who do you think will come out of the West? I still like Denver. I, I See, and that's a place where I do think continuity matters. Um, I, I think Denver needed to take this step. They needed to be the best team in the West. Um, you know, certainly if I'm going to give uh, Nikola Jokic another MVP vote, uh, he's going to have to ha- show it not just with his, you know, uh, efficiency rating and historical, um, you know, numbers. It's going to have to it's going to have to translate into, you know, a top seed. And, and so uh, but beyond that, I think they just need to have that success to take that into the postseason. And um they're on their way to that. I, I like Denver a lot. I, I have to admit, I mean, obviously Phoenix getting Kevin Durant, it's hard to, uh, uh, you know, to, to say they're not going to uh, to rise up and maybe dominate that conference. But I've got to see that. And, and I wonder about their depth and I wonder about their defense. And uh, those are questions that have to be answered rather quickly here in you know, 21, 22, 23 games that are left. Yeah, when I think about Denver, Steve, I, you know, I love the f- fact that people aren't talking about Jamal Murray and, you know, his resurgence from being gone last year and wh- what a difference he makes for that squad. And then, you know, the other guys on their team, the role players that understand what they need to do, right? When you're looking at a, at a Michael Porter Jr., when you're looking at a Darren Gordon, I mean, guys that understand where they fit. And I think you're right, continuity is what's led them you know, to be playing at such a high level right now. And then when you look at Phoenix and you see the addition of Kevin Durant, how much do you think the loss of Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson will affect them? Well, you know, Mikael Bridges is one of those uh, on-ball defenders. I mean, he'll take the uh, most potent opposing scorer and um, in, in many cases, you know, choke him off on a given night or at least make things very difficult, make, make any points the guy gets, um, you know, hard-earned. And, and I think that's going to be missed. I don't see who replaces him necessarily for the Suns. I think the Suns are, are in a position now where they need to outscore opponents. So I think Mikhail Bridges is, is, a, is a valuable piece, and it makes sense that if you're going to get Kevin uh, Durant, you're going to need to give up somebody as valuable as that. And I, I think that's a void. Cam Johnson, I'm, so, I'm not so sure. On a team that, that seems to have plenty of offense, I'm not so sure that that his game will be uh, as missed by Phoenix. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, that, that that style of play change. They got so close to the final, or so close to the championship, and then obviously, you know, adding Kevin Durant in their minds, I'm sure they feel as though they're they're on their way. But there's a ton of teams in the West that are trying to stop them from that and that have made additions at the trade deadline. Two of them that made big splash, or actually one of them made a big splash, one of them made a, a, a signing uh, after he was cut by Utah. I'm talking about the Clippers and Dallas. Who do you think, Steve, uh, out of those two additions, the Clippers getting Russell Westbrook and Dallas getting Kyrie Irving, which of the two players do you think will make a bigger difference for their respective team? Well, that's a that's a good question because it, it's um, you know there are, there are pros and cons with 
with both guys, pros and cons with both their uh, their new teams. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving, tremendous talent, still you know still at the peak of his uh, his game. Um, he demands the ball a lot, and on a Dallas team with uh, Luka Doncic, you'd say, well, that that's not that doesn't make a lot of sense, but. It buys, uh, you know, Doncic some time on the bench, some time off the ball. Um, you know, his usage rate is sky high. He, you know, he's he looked like he's been wearing down and getting, you know, nagging injuries and things. So if Irving can just shoulder some of that and lighten his load, I guess that's the philosophy behind bringing him in. Um, I don't trust Kyrie Irving, you know, to commit to a team. He's burned his way through three. In uh, in quick order here, with the uh, the end of his uh, Cavaliers run through Boston and then Brooklyn, um, but you know he's playing for a contract um, for next year. He might not get it from Dallas. He might. So um, that's pretty good. The funny thing is, with everything that's gone on with uh, Russell Westbrook, I never thought I would feel this way. But I feel like he's he's a little bit of a, a scapegoat. I feel like you know I feel a little bit bad for Westbrook because. You know, I don't think LeBron James and I don't think Anthony Davis um, did everything they needed to or could have done. Absolutely uh, not. To make that Lakers team better. And, you know, Westbrook came in. Look, he was asked to do something that top 75 greatest players, you know, in NBA history really aren't asked to do, which is to move into a bench role. And, you know, he grappled with it briefly, but then he accepted it. And, um, you know, I give him I give him credit. I mean, where I find fault is. He has not really, um, uh, you know, by all appearances, worked hard to transition his game to fit, you know, his his diminished athletic ability. Um, he still is a problem shooter. Um, you know, he's a defensive liability. I mean, there are things like that. So if he wants to play like Russell Westbrook of five plus years ago, you know, that's a problem. Um, but you know, less so off the bench. I, I, I'm curious to see how. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to uh, spread the ball around uh, for Russell Westbrook. Westbrook, that's another case in which Westbrook might be better off as a, as a reserve and, you know, come in and be able to run things and not, not have to defer to Leonard or George. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch that, to see how that, because you're right. I mean, if he comes off the bench, then he can still do what he was doing in L.A., right? Be a primary scorer, yeah. still get triple doubles. And then in the fourth quarter, maybe, you know, be on the floor with those guys so that that way you can be a, a weapon. I, I am interested to see with how that dynamic plays out. And that's why I said the West is going to be so much fun. We're talking to Steve Ashberger, Burner, uh, from senior writer from NBA.com right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. Uh, just, to, just a couple more before we get out. You mentioned, you know, earlier that uh, Phoenix is going to have to be a team that outscores their opponents and the team that is doing that extremely well this season and shocking most is the Sacramento Kings. Do you think their game, you know, they average the most points in the NBA right now. Do you think their game will be able to translate into the playoffs? Or do you think they're one of those teams that we've seen in the past? The Bulls have been this, you know, 10 years ago where they just play extremely well in the regular season because they just play harder than everybody else. And then once the playoffs start and other teams start playing hard, then they, they don't have another level to go to. Yeah, that is a common problem, um, and you know, usually it's the team that that is experiencing the success for the first time, and and you know they realize, you know, they, they, wait a minute here, there, there is another gear that we have to try to find for uh, the playoffs. So that's fair, but you know, this is a this is a step for them, and um, I I think that that could be their undoing that um, they don't really. Um, 
they're not known to play the the level of defense that they they might need. Um, but you know, if they're able to if they're able to hang on for a top seed, now the West is strong, you know, ten deep or whatever. So that's that's no guarantee of advancing. But they might not be fully tested in the first round. It's when uh, it's when it has to go to the second round. So we'll see. I mean, you know, you, you got to knock on the door and, and you know and introduce yourself to uh, <laughs> postseason success in this league. So, yeah, so I think true. Sacramento is is doing fine, and uh, you know they have several of uh, of the most exciting players and, and guys that are having career type years. And you know it's good to see. I mean that that's a team that had. Uh, you know, a nice run, but a long time ago with, you know, Weber and Divac and Mike Bibby and, and the others. So, um, yeah, they've they've paid their dues and uh, been <laughs> awfully patient out there. Yeah, it'll be good to see uh, Darren Fox and, and DeMontis Sabonis play well yep. and get some uh, playoff experience. All right, before I let you go, last question. What did you think of the All-Star game <laughs> before I let you go? That's, that's, that's how I'm going to end it with you, Steve. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah, well, you know, if Michael Malone, the, the Western Conference coach who, who coaches the Nuggets, is his day job, if he can say it's the worst basketball he's ever uh, he's ever seen, you know, who am I to argue with him? Yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's unwatchable. Um, they have to fix it if they're going to continue to offer it up as – as some sort of pinnacle and, and, and highlight of the, uh, of every NBA season. Uh, you know, frankly, the way you can look at this is the NBA has two challenges right now with load management. They they've got a problem when star players don't show up for games. And with the all-star game, they've got a problem when all the stars show up for a game. <laughs> so, you know, they're sort of between a rock and a hard place right now. Um, I, I would like to see them start fixing it by going back to the East West thing. Enough with the playground uh, team captain things. Um, you know, I don't think it carries any identity over. There's no grudge matches. There's no, you know, oh, well, uh, Team LeBron is 4-1. and one. Oh, What does that mean yeah, to anybody? You know, I mean, it's just, I think I think it's, it's uh, you know, outlived its usefulness. It was good as a gimmick to get these guys focused on something a little bit um, different from before. But um, I saw a real crack in that uh in that approach when they made sure that the reserves were, were picked first this year. <laughs> so nobody would feel like the last guy uh, still up there on the stage. Well, there's still somebody that's last on the stage. My God, you know, Laurie Markkinen was clearly the last guy who was, you know, the last all-star to end up on a squad. So um, yeah, it, uh, it, it's gotta be fixed. The slam dunk thing was great. You know, a fun story. And if, if, uh, you know, known NBA players don't want to uh, participate. You'll find guys like Mac McClung who are happy to make a, a reputation and pick up a six-figure check. Um, you know, in that void, it, it would be nice if if we saw the big names. If we could see, you know, well, LeBron, it's a little late now, but I mean, it would have been nice if he would have participated in the dunk contest. John Morant would be a guy who would, um, you know, be a uh, probably a favorite of any contest he entered. Um, but yeah, the game itself. I don't know what to do. You can't, you just can't take it seriously anymore. I mean, okay, Brent, uh, Jason Tatum got 55 points. Well, against what? It's like shooting alone in a gym. Right, right. right. 10 for 18 for the three point line. You're just like, uh, okay, 18 wide open three pointers. I, I hope you can make 10 of them, Jason Tatum. Hey, Steve, great talking to you today, man. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me tonight. Yeah, you're welcome, Gabe. Enjoy the home stretch. Of course, man. Look forward to talking to you again. Steve Ashburner, senior writer 
at NBA.com hanging out with us here on 670 The Score. It is Gabe Ramirez, and as promised, on the other side, some more Bears talk. We get an opportunity to hear who Keyshawn Johnson feels the Bears should trade their number one pick for. Not to another team, not for uh, a prospect that's out there. For someone that's in the NFL right now, he feels like the Bears should dangle that pick in front of a team. Who is the team? Who is the player? We'll find out on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on 670 The Score. Yeah, I mean, I think it was after the uh, Thursday night game versus Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that might have been the switch where we went like four weeks in a row scoring like 28-plus points. But, um, I mean, yeah, uh, people don't usually look at look at it from this perspective. But, you know, we had a first-year OC this year, and, you know, he had to learn what we did well as an offense, what the O-line did well, what the receivers did well, what the running backs did well, and what I did well. So, um, you know, once we kind of all got that figured out as a whole unit, uh, we were able to, you know, put up, put up a lot of points on the board. So it was fun to see, and hopefully we can kind of start the year off like that next year and kind of maintain it throughout the whole year. Zach Levine right there on part of my take. Talking about the team and the amount of points they scored and what what we all say, no, not me, what most fans say and, and analysts is that Justin Fields had a receiver and had an O-line. He'd be doing that all the time, right? Well, Keyshawn Johnson feels that there is one wide receiver in particular that the Bears should consider giving up the number one pick for. I think they need to move out of the number one spot first and foremost. You collect some picks. You get maybe a one. You exchange for whatever one. Maybe you pick up two ones in this situation, one this year, one next year. And then what you do is I talked about alpha dog receivers. You go to Cincinnati. And you, you say to Cincinnati, hey, we know that you're trying to win a Super Bowl right now, but we want T. Higgins. And you take that one carrot and you dangle it in front of him. They'll probably tell you, well, we want a one and a three. And you know what you do? You say, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll give you a one and a three for T. Higgins because if you wait till next year when he becomes an unrestricted free agent, you now have an opportunity to get him now. You'll be in a long line of people trying to say, well, we want him. We'll pay more money. You're in front of the line now. And then Cincinnati can take that one or that third-round pick or even a second-round pick and find a wide receiver to replace him and reset the money in the room because you got to deal with Jamar Chase down the line anyway. Okay, first of all, I personally don't think T. Higgins is worth a first and a third. That's just my opinion. Absolutely not. I mean, that sounds crazy. You're talking about Jamar Chase? Sure. But T. Higgins, a first and a third? That's wild. Second of all, he said it in the beginning of his statement. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. So what they're not going to do is get rid of T. Higgins. What they, who they are going to get rid of is Tyler Boyd because that's a guy who's going to want to get paid too, who's, who's you know pretty damn good. But, I, but they can replace a Tyler Boyd in the draft. So it's more likely that Tyler Boyd is no longer a Cincinnati Bengal than T. Higgins moving up, being uh, moved on from just so they can secure a first-round pick Next year. See, that I doesn't help him in the present. I'm with you. I think that I agree with the the logic that Keyshawn is 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 getting to, which is they're not going to be able to pay both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow eventually. No. So T. Higgins is probably the odd man out there. So eventually they're gonna pr- move on from him, whether he walks in free agency or they trade him at you know, maybe he hits the end of his contract, they tag him, what what sure. and then trade him, whatever. But 
I doubt that this is the year they trade him when he's still on a cheap contract right. <laughs> and they're trying to win. And, and, I, you know, you, and keep I get, that, you keep it intact right. this year. And I get what Keyshawn's saying. Like, Bears need a, an alpha dog, like he said, right? You know, they need that. I'm just not certain. I, I like T. Higgins, and he is very good. How many wide receivers have we seen in the NFL that eat because the number one receiver is getting all the attention? We've seen that. You saw a guy just win the Super Bowl who did that, Juju Smith-Schuster. He was eating when Antonio Brown was there. Then Antonio Brown leaves, he becomes the primary focus, and he could not duplicate that success. We've seen it. We see it, right? But I'm not saying T. Higgins can't duplicate it. I'm just saying you got to be mindful of those kinds of things. The guys get wide open because double coverage is going to Jamar Chase. That's why guys like Hayden Hurst do well. For the Cincinnati Bengals, someone who I think the Bears should really take a look at. I know a lot of people are. Who would you rather have, Mike Gesicki or Hayden Hurst? I I kind of like Gesicki better. I'm not exact. I think just when I watch him, I I because I, he moves prefer, like a yeah. he moves like a like a slot receiver more yes, so than like that's, a that's what it is a clunky tight end. I, yeah. I could see that he's a guy right where he might have he, better hands too. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely more of, like I said, he's more of a slot type tight end than than anything else. He was a guy who I thought should have performed better with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on that team. Someone that could, could but he just couldn't find his way. Tua was just too dead set and throwing those guys the ball and couldn't couldn't really good. So he had a really he had a down year if you were just looking at his last year's stats. But Hayden Hurst is a guy who's kind of in that same position where they have a Jamar Chase and a T. Higgins and a Tyler Boyd. And Hayden Hurst was a guy that he still was able to eat, though. Like, he still was able to to make an impact on that offense. And I can't imagine that they're going to give money to Hayden Hurst. We just talked about all the reasons why they shouldn't. But Hayden Hurst, a guy who I would like here on the Chicago Bears, think he'd be pair well with a Cole Komet. Bears need to find hey, – listen, if the wide receivers aren't out there, they have to do something else. They have to be creative in some other way. And the tight end position is is where you can do it at, especially in the 2023 version of the NFL where, you know, these guys are more athletic than ever before. And if 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 Justin Fields isn't comfortable lofting the ball 40 yards down the, down the field for for uh Chase Claypool to go up and get it, well then he's going to need some guys for those intermediate throws and those short throws and and a tight end could be that that guy. Ah, wishful thinking. Oh, I love talking about the Bears. All right. Um we're going to do more of that. Oh, from the seven oh eight said Gabe. That's why I think Cup is so uh, Cup is good. He's not he's not the one, but Cup is the best slot wide receiver since Welker. Yeah, Cooper Cup is awesome. But what is he going to do next year on that trash team? Is he going to be able to duplicate his success? Oh, that's be Here's it. the thing, though: the way the Rams run their offense, Cooper Cup is their number one guy. Literally, he, he's just in the slot. Right. It's like it's like he has Tom Brady throwing him the ball, who loves to get rid of the ball in two seconds, and he just can create space immediately. Right. I mean, he he it's it's that's because Wes Welker was the same thing. He was Tom Brady's number one wide receiver. He just worked from the slot because he was so damn good right. at it. <laughs> right, right, right. And he could. He's like, nah, I'd rather be in the slot and just catch. 13 passes for well, 180 he's, yards. He's the exact kind of slot. He eats from the slot because he's so damn quick and his routes are so damn yeah, good yeah. that he's able to beat any kind of coverage. So awesome. Love Cooper Cup. Love guys like that. All right. I also love Pedro Gafal, not only because I'm a Sox fan, not because he's Cuban like my dad, uh, but because I do think he is a true leader. 
And we'll get an opportunity to hear from Pedro Gafol talking to us from Arizona. What did he say about the team? What does he think about Eloy and maybe a position switch? Where do you see, or where does he see, I'm sorry, Eloy playing during the season and an extra responsibility? Uh, we'll hear from Pedro Gafol on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on your Thursday on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.